Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Sebastian Show. This week we have on Matt Bontrager. Bontrager. He was fantastic. A comedian, not really. He's actually an accountant, but really, really funny. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. We talk about the American consumer, why most of us are very financially illiterate, and things we can do to impact our finances going into 2024. Check it out. I think you guys are really going to like it. So you had uh, your first son or daughter. Yeah, son. Son, four years old. Yep. And you and your wife decided to run it back. We were like one more. One more. One more. And then uh, you got a BOGO situation. Yeah, and I couldn't twins. even be there. It was during COVID. She, yeah, called me hysterically crying. They she, wouldn't she let was, you into no, the delivery room? Well, so not delivery room. I was there when they were delivered. But when she found out we were having twins, I wasn't there. Okay. So I just remember it. She calls me like hysterically crying. Then we just went and got Mexican food. that solves all hysterically crying like oh shit or like i'm so excited no like oh shit it was not (laughs) and what's funny is crazy she's a room mom at our kid's school the other room mom same age classroom she has a three-year-old boy just found out she's having identical boys oh man so my wife was like you're in for it lady so two boys girl boy two my twins were boy girl girl. which was cool too yeah we were like so we're like where'd this twin thing come from so we started looking around at her family her Aunt Wendy on her seventh and eighth kid had twins. Seventh and eighth. So now my Aunt Wendy got us. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, and, and they call it too, just spontaneous twins. Yeah. Because there's no like, yeah they're, yeah, they're not obviously identical. That's the question we get all the time. Are they identical? And I'm like, dude, they're a boy girl. They can't be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What have you, what have you learned about as a, being an entrepreneur and being a parent? What, how has, how has that impacted you trying to, to manage being a parent and being an entrepreneur? I get, it's a question I get asked a lot through either DMs or in fact, I think I answered a question like that today. Just how do yeah. you balance those worlds? And does, does your wife work or does she get to stay home? Full time work. Works, she I make jokes time. like you got to stop working and stay here and do more of this. So she's, yeah, <laughs> she's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how do you, how do you manage that? I think people have to pick one of two ways. My method, since I'm like a bit of a squirrel is mm-hmm. I'll pick up my phone, be on it for five minutes, put it down, go play with my son and shoot like a Nerf gun at them. Yep. And then I'll maybe hop to the laptop on my kitchen counter. So I like to float around and work if, if I'm in that setting. But I either think you need to go that route and be very like off and on all day. Or if you're going to like leave to an office, you got to choose the, hey, I'm here for six to eight hours. I'm going to get all my work done and then leave and go home and not touch it again, which for me is just like, and I don't know if that's because I'm an owner of a business. Maybe if you were like a component of a business, you wouldn't need to do that. But as you know, there's problems 24 seven that like need yeah. attention. So I'm pretty bad at it to where I'm just floating all day around it. So you're more of a grazer. I'm you're, a grazer you're, you're is the best way be- to say Yeah, yeah. You're moving yeah. between being a dad and, and work at the same time, yeah. which is fun in some ways, right? As yeah. long as you can kind of transition and be present when your son It makes life easier, I think, right? Because I don't, but now I think back and I'm like, man, how, because I had what, quit my job December of 19, started our firm 2020. We were just full remote from then. And I went from working in an office 2020, 2020 then, COVID kid, pops off COVID and you have my son twins. was six months old. So oh I'm like, God. okay, we have no office. So I liked working from home, but I'm like thinking about it now with kids. It's like, how do you even leave and go to an office right. all day? You have to be like, you got kids, you got shit to do. So I'm like, yep, that is uh, hard, but yeah. So I like to graze. That's my method of yep. it, yep. but I could see how it could drive people insane. And that's what I've tried to tell employees. Now my thought is, is if I message you at 7 PM, you don't have to respond to it till next morning. Yep. If it's bad, I'm going to call you and then I want you to answer. But 
for me, it's like, I have to tell remote employees now, this is kind of, you feel like you're on all the time because you're at home. Yep. So you really, if you don't want to feel like you're on all the time, have to cut it at like, hey, if you're off at five, you're off at five. I get it. So I think it, for some, it's it's not the right move, but for me, it works. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, could, that could be a little bit tricky. Uh, and, and how old are your twins now? My twins are two. So they're starting to... So cute, but just such a, my wife hates this age. They're just wee little devils. You're wiping their butt still. Like, they yeah. don't know how to go to the bathroom. Like, they're still in but, diapers. But they're mobile and running around. Mobile, running around, <laughs> talking. Yeah. And wanting to share their opinions on things. Yes. <laughs> and and now becomes, they fight. Yeah, and it, and it becomes a moral dilemma, right? Because now it's like, one goes one direction, one goes the other. It's like, well, who do I follow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, that's a tricky thing. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny, too. So, I like it. I'll try to get into the content game and post stuff on Instagram. My most engaging content are my twins fighting. People <laughs> love it. They love to watch them whine or cry and pull over stuff. Yeah, it's so funny. So I, I uh, my partner and I just had a child um, two months ago. Mm, um, fresh. Yeah, and we and and I have um, two sons that are fourteen and twelve. Oh, a little bit of separation, close. Yeah, close, but they were close, and it was. I remember the moral dilemma when they both were mobile, right? Because you go to the park and it's just you and it's up, they split. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wait, who am I chasing first here? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I love being a parent. I think there's a lot of like crossover skills. It's leadership, right? As a father, totally. it's still leadership and it's learning how to, to create space and to allow them to learn um, and learn how to communicate. And I don't know, I have a lot of fun with it. I find it interesting that you just poof, create this human that you love. <laughs> And it's just, like, you have, I have friends that I, I'm 31, my best friends that I've known for 25 years. So, I'm, like, a long time, which I'm, I feel lucky to have. I feel like that's not normal for people to have friendships for that long. But I'm like, yeah. so that was, that took a lot of time to develop those relationships and a lot of effort. You probably had a lot of fights. But I'm like, you just make these kids and you're like, damn, I love you. Yeah. But, um. Can't imagine a world without them. No, it's such a weird thing for me. So, it is very fulfilling, but it is so stressful. Like, I think about it now. If I wish I would have ran my business earlier before kids, I would have had so much more attention, bandwidth, RAM in my brain. Like, where did you grow up? Vegas. I was just talking to the so Uber driver. Born and raised. Born and, and raised in Vegas. The Uber driver I had here said he was born and raised here, sixty years. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I was just born and bred in Vegas. So Vegas is a pretty popular spot. I know a lot of entrepreneurs are moving there. So cheap. It's cheap, and everything comes to you. Yeah. Right. But why did you stay? You're 31. Have oh, you ever thought about cool. leaving? Never. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, I'm not leaving. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think now if I were to leave, it'd be more if I could afford it. Second home style stuff. Yep. I have yep. family in the Midwest, which I like that, like trees and just yep. nothing around. Where but, in the Midwest? So Midwest specifically State. Iowa. That's Iowa. where I got family. Oh, yeah. So we'll go to Des Moines a lot. <laughs> Midwest, Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> just like cornfields. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I love Vegas because I've always viewed it as similar to other cities is you have the good parts, the bad parts. And then it's so cheap still when you could, like, I love California, but I'm like, dude, oh, for the, what your money can get you in Nevada, you'd be living in a mansion yeah. or a one bedroom studio. So, uh, I don't know. I've just yet to find a reason, I guess, to leave is more so. Most people say schooling because we do have bad schooling, but if you can afford private, that's how you kind of get over that. Yep. Totally. I think Austin's probably the number one city that I see a lot of my friends and entrepreneurs move to, but yep. Vegas is like right behind it. We had, they said, popular. like a, like 80 people a day just from California. Are moving to well, I believe that, <laughs> for yeah. sure. <laughs> 120 or so. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. And it's growing so fast now. California is a is one of the most beautiful places in um, the U.S., but it is poorly ran. And yeah, that's tough. And that's, the, that's kind of your trade-off. 
I found it interesting with all that. I've never been to San Francisco. Never got to walk the streets there. It's always been like, whoa, though. San Francisco is like the tech center of everything. And but now to hear how the, like how ten that years ago it was yeah. beautiful. Walking that, there, it's not even safe. That's what I've heard, and I'm just like, like it's crazy to like. I've never even been there, but that's just now the message that I hear too. And so, yeah. But again, beautiful state though. I love it's luckily it's our backyard. So yep. people are like, they love Vegas because if we need to go to LA or California, totally. It's right there, it's right there yeah. if you want to go and it's an easy flight or drive. Yeah, four hour drive. So you started True Books yep. in 2020. Yep. Is that your first? It's my first business, dude. Wow. My fr- and so, that's where, yeah, like most businesses fail. Mind you, it's like, yeah. So all of that still runs through my head. Yeah, okay. So, so born and raised in Vegas, what were you doing? For the first you know, almost ten years, employee, so and, and are you an accountant by trade? Do you? Have I am. Yeah. Okay. So typical, just school. Thought I'd play pro baseball. Uh-huh. Snap my collarbone. Uh-huh. Probably wasn't that good still. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I got to get a degree here. We got to learn some skills. So then I just got a business and accounting degree from UNLV. Uh, and then they preached to you when you're in college, you got to go to the big four, which is like Deloitte, KPMG, PwC. Those. Cause it was like a resume builder. Yep. And so I was not the GPA geek. Uh-huh. I was the networker, the guy yep. that like threw on a suit and was at every event. Well, just talking to you, you are, you're very social, right? And hilarious. You're actually a really thanks, funny yeah, dude. As thanks. I'm listening to it's like, you have a comedic style and cadence the way you speak, it which does. I'm not trying to sound a lot of accountants aren't that way. The, right, dude, that's super a, like I say that's my brain. superpower yeah. is being an accountant and not being an accountant. Hundred like, percent. Yeah, totally. That's like, and I'll never forget. I was at a bowling event for like the AICPA, and this friend of mine still <laughs> AI. This guy Anthony Faso walks up to me. He's like, "Dude, you're an accountant." And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then he was just always like, "They're not you. You, you don't look like an accountant." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, well, not good. your vibe at all." So I've always realized that that's yeah. like okay, that's my superpower. That's yeah. like my weird ability. Um, Why did you go into accounting? I think Do you I just, just really like numbers. Is somebody like, Hey, it's I was good. fascinated with money, dude. I okay. grew up and I didn't have any. And I was yep. like, I want to be rich. Yep. I've always yep. just yep. been, and not like shy about it. Everybody's like, I'm like I don't care. I want to make a lot of money in yep. a good way. Yep. Um, and so that was why my first job, I went to the bank. It's a great way to see people with 100%. money, without yep. money. So I worked at Wells Fargo. I got yep. a little bit of sales in there. They were yep. very sales sure. driven. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I was down for all that when all that stuff with Wells Fargo collapsed and all that. Uh, but then they preached the big four. So I was like, okay, I got to go to the big four. And I landed a big four job at Deloitte, which is mm-hmm. in Vegas. That's their main office, which was great. Earned my stripes there. And it's like, that's what I wish now the young workforce did. So like I was in the time I graduated college in 2014, I was sitting in an audit room with a partner until 3 a.m. And it was like the partner had to leave. Then the senior manager had to leave. Then the manager, then the senior. Then when the senior went home, you got to go home. Yep. Nowadays, kids don't have to do that and like grind it out like that. So that was like my upbringing through all of the public accounting. So you got it. an education. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So I, right. So I went Real to college. education started there, I'm Ex- sure. Oh, totally. Got yeah. the bachelor's degree, then went to Deloitte, went to two or three other firms after that. Cause I started an audit, which is when you're a, like, when you're an accountant, they say you got to go audit or tax. Yep. Tax was a foreign language to me. I took one class with it. We were like, no one wants to touch tax. <laughs> So then, why. yeah, but I'm an auditor. And so everybody hates the auditor. When you right. walk around with the auditor, no one's, no one wants you around. So it was like, then I finally made the jump from one firm to another to learn tax. I was like, cause then I realized people love the tax guy, <laughs> right? Like you're their friend. You're there. You're there to yep. save them money. So yep. I was like, okay, so way easier to sell. Yep. So, okay. I'm like, I got to go to tax. And then uh, I got an opportunity to go to a firm and do tax and accounting, which is also strange. They make you pick. 
and it was for cannabis and no very big Mormon well, community. Sense. Yep. Dude, no one wanted to touch it. Right. I'm, like, I'm exactly. all in for it. Let me know. Yep. I'll learn about it. New industry. And it was super tricky, right? Because it was an all cash business for a long very time. It still right. is for the most part. A lot of the banking system still doesn't accept. Yeah. So the accounting and the rules around it were just like unlike anything else. So I went there and then um and then from there I had the opportunity to start True Books. And then I quit there, like I said, yeah, December of 2019, started True Books in January, and then just been rolling with that since. I love this because this, I think this is a, a, a solid formula and advice that I often give. It's like, even if you ultimately are going to become an entrepreneur, you know you're going to run your own business, especially in your 20s. And based on the time frames you're giving me, it sounds like you did this in your 20s. One of my biggest pieces of advice for people in 20s is if you're going to go work for someone else, Go work for an education, not a paycheck. Totally. Because Looking back is exactly what that is. Yeah, because you that's where you're, now that's going to pay dividends for you for the rest of your life. And now you can say, yeah, I worked for Deloitte. Yep. Well, oh. that, that that's a whole other, yep. like just the credibility you get there as you started your own business. Mm -hmm. But the education you got going through that process is awesome. So turned entrepreneur, but it sounds like you knew from a very young age that you were money motivated. You wanted yeah. to be financially free. And this was kind of your journey to get to running your own business. I definitely wanted it, but I always like to tell people I am a true accountant in the sense of like risk averse. So look what I did. I yep. went to college, got a good job, steady yep. salary. And then so it was like that final jump to my own. I even slowly started to build my book of business on the side so that when I made that jump, I knew I had at least some income. My wife had income, but yeah. Brilliant. It was like so you were, you were thinking ahead long before you made the jump that this is the direction I'm going and you started. Yeah. At least a year to two years, started to grow clients on the and side. So, and then you picked an, an amazingly perfect time to launch your business, right? They're right in 2020 when everything's <laughs> yeah. perfect and the economy yeah. is just... <laughs> mm -hmm. Which was weird, though, too, that accounting absolutely took off because so many people during COVID were like, what am I going to do? And so they tried to start new businesses and... Um, Slow down, learn, think yeah. about things deeply. Yep. Financial literacy is something that is massively missing dude, in our kills. education. Dude, kills. Me. we spend... For a country that is so about academia, some of the most important life skills, how to manage relationships, how to take care of your body, and how to manage money are things that are not taught or emphasized. Some believe that might be by design, but in any case, it isn't happening. So what do you think are the most common mistakes people are making with their money that, that you see? That was such a good way you summed it up, too, in those three, like those three pillars. With money and accounting, I think it's, and this is going to sound so cliche, but it's just tracking it. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows where their money goes. So it's like, I like to say every tax talk that I'll do where I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about high level tax strategy. We'll always end up coming back to like, do you guys even do your books? Like you right. keep a P and L and a balance sheet for business owners, obviously. But it's like for somebody that is an employee and they're, whether single or not, do you know how much money you make and where it goes? That's the first step. No one does that. Like I run a QuickBooks file for my own house. I can well, run a balance sheet for do. my life, but I'm and an now accountant. You, now you sound like an yeah, accountant. Of course. <laughs> so it's like, but even in like grab a mint.com app or something. I was like, going to ask you, yeah, is there anybody that you like that you would recommend for somebody like, hey, this is a good tracking software. This is a good budgeting software that um, that you recommend people to? I So me, I use QuickBooks and I would not recommend the average person use QuickBooks. That's a full-blown accounting software. Yep. I would honestly say pick any one because I, any one you pick will force you to start to look at the basics, which is, what you make and what you keep. No one knows that. Yep. No one, and it's just like, when you start to see like, oh, in this past year, I've spent $4,000 on clothing. It's like, oh, okay. Or you spent $6,000 on eating out. You can really start to evaluate then. Are you deploying your dollars in the, in the most effective way? Yep. Does it align with what you want here? Yep. You're someone that wants to retire at 35. 
but you're spending 98% of your income or 110 because you use credit cards. You're yep. spending more than you earn. They, they don't even, that's what's scary. They're flying blind. Yep. They have no idea. It, and you, you see this a lot. There's a, I think, uh, Warren Buffett's, Warren Buffett's partner. Oh, he just passed. He just um, passed. What's his, his name? name? Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger. I think he, one of the things, I mean, there are a lot of people who have said this, but he said one of the simplest ways to get wealthy is to spend less than you make. Totally. Right. And, and we live in a society that is really built on credit, credit oh. cycles. And so most people are, are way extending themselves and doing just the opposite. And again, to your point, they're not tracking it. So spending $4,000 on clothes. But I think you actually told me this and I took advantage of when we met a few years ago. You may or may not even remember this, but about you're able to write off your suits as an totally. influencer. Mm-hmm. Well, I love my suits. Yep. And then once I started getting into the, uh, the uh, creative content space, I was able to start writing off my suits. So, yep. But n- you have to, have to know that. So I talk a lot about the fact that wealth isn't a possession. It's a mindset. It's an education. Totally. Right? You have to understand the language of money, and you need to understand how money works and change your mentality around that. So what do you think about that? I love that. It, when I do presentations, I quote Warren Buffett when he says, like, for example, accounting is the language of business. So, and just as you said, it's a mindset and a frame, like a, like a mental uh, shift because now you were in the position before to write them off, but you just, it's something like you didn't know. And it's yep. like what you don't know, well, you don't know. Worse, my fucking accountant told me I couldn't do it. Okay. Right? So that's He's where like, that, no, yeah. it's, it's a, it's not a uniform. I'm like, of course it is. It's my yeah. brand. And then when I heard you say it, I was like, I, yeah. And, and see, that's where, like, when you get into that, you, you have to start surrounding yourself with people that are, that work with people that, you know, are in the same industry that you do yep. uh, and all of that, because that's another thing with the internet down, nowadays. Like I like to say, I'm just another CPA sharing advice online though. So I could be <laughs> lumped into the same bucket, but you really got to pick and choose who you work with and who you're going to trust because there's so many different things that are said now. What, what, do you, what do you think is the biggest, you said tracking was a big one for yeah. the consumer side, but What's, where do you find they're able to make it the biggest impact in a business when you come in? Where do you see them making the biggest mistakes or where you're able to save the money or protect their bottom line? I think overspending, even now within my business, we did, just to share numbers, 2.7, like 2.6, 2.7 last year, uh, netted a million on the dot. This year we'll do 3.3 million, net maybe 1.2. But I can see that even though our, it, right, our revenue has increased, our spending has proportionately increased too when it shouldn't have. Because as you start to make more money, whether you're a business owner or just somebody making money, you'll think that you can spend more because now you simply have more. When in reality, if you run leaner, you'd, you'd have the same effect and you'd be living the same lifestyle. Yep. So it's just like that with lifestyle more creep. Exactly, with yeah. more margin, which is yep. what you really want. Yep. So it's like if these business owners knew because they tracked, then they'd be like, oh, wow, if I cut this back, then I'm left with more at the end of the day. But they don't track, so they don't know. What's a practical tool for getting better at tracking when you're when you're trying to instill yep. that in a client? How, what are you what are you doing or teaching them to get better at tracking their money? First, they got to get stung, which that means like, okay, you you thought your tax bill was five grand, it's fifteen because you didn't track, and now you can't write things off that you otherwise could have, and so there's that. Because I don't think until they get stung, like my kids, I got to spank them to yep. listen. I yep. got to yell sometimes to listen. Um, fifteen thousand so, dollar tax bill, that'd be nice. <laughs> for exactly. <laughs> So, right, so there's that first case because then I think it gets them into this, like, okay, I got to listen now. And then uh, it would either, so I tell people, you're either going to do it one of three ways. You're going to use a spreadsheet and you're going to simply take old the trend. Old school, yep. dude. No more shoebox of receipts, at least. Get to at least <laughs> the spreadsheet level and then keep track and categorize it that way. There's a million templates online. You will have to do that. 
The next piece is you're going to use QuickBooks or some accounting software yourself, and you're going to track it. You're going to sync your bank accounts. You go out, you swipe your card, it pops in. Or the third one, you hire somebody. It's like, it's got to be one of those three. Yep. But with, and that's the problem is we see so many people that don't do that. And when you're a business like me, you can't even help people with what I do until they do that. And so do, it's a big bridge. So do you do tracking for them? We do. So yeah, so we do tax advisory, tax preparation, and accounting. Most people who don't want to pay for accounting, though, because we're like, hey, it'll be 600 bucks a month for us to do this. And they're like, and I get it. They're a small business owner. They're like, $600 can go a long way doing something else. Advertising, uh, paying for, I don't know, though. But that's so $600 like, seems like a, a little, for what you, for, like, that seems like not a lot of money for what you're getting. I know, but they don't see the value until they're stung. So it's like they're in this, like, vicious cycle of, like, they think that they don't need the service, but then they just end up getting hit on the back end because they're going to, that's why I tell people, if you don't pay for an accountant, you'll end up just paying more in professional so six, fees For later. $600 a month, what are they getting? Uh, every month you get financial statements delivered to you and talked to about it. Hey, this was your income. This was your expense. This is what you netted. Here's your balance sheet. Here's Cash your flow analysis. All of it. At the basics, right? Like yeah. that's what we're really good at doing. Because that's the always the funniest thing too. We'll get a business owner that's maybe a year in. They'll come to us and they'll say, hey, I want to know these KPIs and what my, and I'm like, relax. Do you even look at a P&L and a balance sheet? And they're Let's like, no, I don't there. do any of that. And I'm like, okay. What's a balance sheet? Yeah, well, I'm like, well, you're not even there yet. You got to look at a P&L and a balance sheet first. And so it's just like they're blinded by what they see online maybe and all this. But it's like you got to do the basics. Yep. Because the basics alone will save you a ton of money. I always tell people the most hidden slept on tax strategy is simply tracking your money. Yeah. Because then you get to write things off. If you don't, then you're just losing so much money out the door. What are things that people can write off that they usually don't know they can do? I heard you say this on stage and I loved it. So I was just curious. Yeah. What are the things that really step up? The clothing. There's watches. The big one yep. going around now is the dogs. Because if you work from home, you could technically classify some of your dog as a guard dog. No. I swear, dude. <laughs> so then some of the food and the or. maintenance costs become deductible. Um, one of the best examples is we had a YouTuber come to us. He does outdoor filming and wanted to write off the roof rack of like a Toyota Tacoma and said that his other CPA didn't allow him to do it. Well, his other accountant doesn't work with content creators, so would have no clue that that's deductible. Anything can be deductible if it's within your business Justifiable realm. to and your it, business. There's two things that you, anybody has to remember that the IRS classifies. It has to be ordinary and necessary. If it's ordinary to spend money on this to produce income, it's good. And so that, that changes for different people, right? Like yep. me, I bought a Raptor this year. Sick kids love it, dude. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. So then, but so I have people ask me, oh, okay, you're going to write off the whole thing? No, I can't. I'm an accountant. What do I do with a Raptor <laughs> with doing the books for people? No, I can't. So, but then again, if somebody's working in construction or a content creator or something, they could write off the entire thing. So it's all dependent on what you do. Yeah. I know that the, the Tesla X got really popular for a while because mm -hmm. it... 6,000 pounds. 6,000 pounds, which is a, an archaic tax law related to farm equipment, right? Yes. Or, or yep. just construction, whatever. Yep, yeah, heavy so, equipment. Heavy equipment. So I guess that's getting phased out now over a period of years. Is that correct? So the 6,000 pound thing is still in effect, but yeah, the depreciation amounts are being phased out. Yep. yep. So yeah, usually writing off cars is one of the best ways. It's funny. I Well, so best ways to lower your tax. I have a friend that just bought a Cadillac. And he said that he now has to wait till February because he was last on the docket because all these people are trying to get him in before December for their write-offs. Is yep. what the guy told him at the dealership. So that's usually one of the easiest ways to get a tax deduction year-end is to buy a car. What do you do? Uh, kind of jump into more complicated, but can you help people that have multiple entities? Oh yeah. Kind of integrate cash flow. So with the kind of firm that we run, we try to cater to like our entry price point is like five to ten thousand for context to work with us. But you can go to another CPA and it'd be anywhere from 500 to 1500 bucks. 
And that's because we are aiming for clients that don't just have one business. They have right. three businesses that all interact and they're maybe vertically integrated within some sort of industry. So totally, yeah. Can you, uh, do we help people with that? And then, yeah, that's the ideal structure is like, I'm sure you maybe have a few entities and as you well, start to grow. And that's kind of uh, the reason I'm asking is kind of selfishly. That's what I'm trying to figure out now is to have a, either to, do, to set up a family office or to mm -hmm. set up a management company that takes the funds and then manages all of it. Yep. Um, especially as we're getting into a lot of different, like we're getting into the event space and right now I'm using one of my consulting firms to pay for all of the infrastructure for that. Yep. And I'm just thinking you're saying ordinary and necessary. It's like, eh, I'm going to have to, you know, notice how you might have to write things off in one entity before it to be deductible. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so totally. I'm just thinking through that. Yep. And like what was really common in the real estate space was, or even in the cannabis space, you would have one entity own the IP of the business. Yep. One entity own the real estate. One entity run the ops. So Just super very, smart. Yeah, very common. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a client that we set up a structure where their all of their brand IP was in a holding company mm -hmm. that was then licensed to the company that yep. was actually doing it, and then they were the first lien holder against that. Yep. So it basically makes them um, judgment-proof. Protects and the entity. See, and like what you're bringing up too is a good example because people will watch something online and be like, oh, I need that. I need the holding company or the management company or the, uh, right, the anonymity for like an LLC in Wyoming. And it's like, well, dude, you don't know that. <laughs> it's so circumstantial and fact specific to that client. It's like you can't, you can't uh, bow and ribbon a box to every client. It's got to be so catered to them because it's all different. You know? yeah, it's it, never the same. Especially in the U.S. with our tax code the way it is. It's like it isn't a one-size-fits-all. I figured that out for yeah. sure. And that's another thing, too. A lot of people like rag on like TurboTax for context. I was a CPA doing my tax return on TurboTax. <laughs> you, it, TurboTax is not bad, but it's like you need a CPA, my thoughts are, when you run a business or you invest in real estate typically. Because it's like then the tax code really changes for you. When, it's, it's kind of a, a, a parallel question to your role, but when do you think somebody needs a CFO? Because mm -hmm. a lot of what you're doing, right, yep. is kind of that CFL role. But yep. in many cases, based on what you're telling me, is cheaper when do you think you bring somebody in-house and need a CFO? So first, CFO should run you anywhere from 150 to 250 grand, right? Yep. For that level of role. The banking relationships, the analysis, the, hey, heads up owner, like we're, we need to do this. Like they're the, they're an advisor to you. Um, and I would, so two is you already have to have a bookkeeper in place to have a, you shouldn't even think about needing a CFO unless your books are spot on because your right. CFO can't make any decisions without the books. And I like to tell people that a CFO is the bridge between the bookkeeper and the owner. Because let's be honest, the owner doesn't want just a P&L and a balance sheet. They want a high-level analysis of what's going on. Yep. CFO is that bridge there. So I would say, honestly, you could be a business that's netting 100 grand. So maybe doing 150 grand in you know, gross revenue, something like that. You could, you could be there for a CFO. Like you could use a CFO in that role. Because your bookkeeper is not going to give you what you want most of the time. What are you not delivering that a CFO would? Just high level based yeah, on what you're totally. saying. Because some of what you're saying, I'm like, that's kind of what a CFO would do, right? Yep. You said cash flow, balance sheet, things like that. So what are you not doing? When would the transition from using you to a CFO be? When, like when you go in-house, what are you not delivering? So when, like for context, what we do really well, we don't even do much CFO work yet. It would be, we will give you all your transactional work and the P&L and the balance sheet. Your CFO would then go in and build out the dashboards and share that data with the owner. So, so then, you're collecting all the data, the CFO, the difference is the CFO is going to know what to do with it. Think of it as we're historical. We're yep. cleaning up your mess. As you're leaving receipts, walking forward, we're gathering them and we're categorizing them so that the numbers are accurate. Your CFO then would come in and explain that to you in a nice manner to where 
a business owner is not going to lose his mind sitting there looking at a 80 line P&L. Yep. They want to see that, you know, they want the, Hey, what's the quickest? What do I need to know? That kind of stuff. So what are you learning as an entrepreneur, as an accountant uh, entrepreneur? People are lazy. Yeah. Clients are lazy. You have to cut out as much. If you want to have a good service, you have to truly sit there and think about how can you do anything that you can to make them happy and then assign a price tag to it. I think what people do is they'll say, I want to sell this service for 500 bucks, 800 bucks, 2000 bucks. One of our services is $6,500. You can't craft the price and then determine what you're going to give them. I think you truly have to think what's the outcome, which is extreme client happiness so that they're your best advertising and then throw a price tag to it based on what you're doing. So it's like we tried to come up with our tax advisory service and we tried to come up with, well, hey, here's tiers of what the options are based on what they might want. And that's another thing I learned the super hard way was you should never get on, at least from what I've seen, never get on the phone with a prospect and let them choose. It's more so what I've learned is you have to help guide them into letting them know what they what they need, really, not even what they want. And easily. You'd know that probably more than I do. And it's like that took me so I'd be the guy that walked up and just like opened the briefcase. be Like, what do you want? And it's like, that's not the answer. The answer is. I almost sound stupid doing that because they're coming to me for the advice. So yep. why would I even turn it to them and say, what do you want? But when you're coaching salespeople, that is the path to hearing, let me think about it. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's like, they're, it's not like they're not interested, but because you're asking them to do the heavy lifting yes. and they're not prepared to do it, they'll just walk away because they're like, I, I don't, I don't know what to and do And that here. sentence right there, I don't think that I ever looked at it as the heavy lifting, but now we know, especially running as a business, I get one random text. I don't want to see it because it just makes me think more. Right. Like I'll tell people like, oh, they'll say, oh, no worries. I'm going to send you an email. Don't. I, we just talked about it. Don't recap it to me because it's another thing I got to click. So it's a great way to say it is like you're putting it back on them. The most valuable people in my life are the people that I know I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room with. Yes. I cannot stand being the smartest. You it just literally, swan I dive resent. into their, uh, like their support. Yes, yeah. I love it. It's like it. they're thinking ahead of me. Yes. I'm like, oh, my God. You're, you, I got the right person in the right role because yes. you're thinking about it better than I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that would be the main one is is worrying more about the customer to keep them happy because yeah. this is what I love about my business. It's recurring. If we do our job mm-hmm. right, I shouldn't need to go out and find new clients every yep. year. They'll be happy and they'll come back next year. 100%. So for me, that's what uh, that's one of the biggest things is helping them identify and telling them what they need for the best outcome. And, and price is only relevant in the absence of value. And I like you, totally. you reverse engineered that. It's like, hey, here's the value we want to bring. What's the price we can mm-hmm. we can ask for for that? And that was one of the problems we ran into too when we were trying to tier these services out. When I looked at our lower tier, I was like, if I was to strip away the tiers and all this price, it's like, what do they need to be successful? And I was taking away core components of this higher tier in reality, trying to keep things cheaper for them. But then what did that lead to? A less, a lesser service that would not keep them happy. Right. So I was literally shooting myself in the face, setting them up for failure. And so now it's like, no, you can't buy a smaller tier because you need all of this. Well, Especially in accounting, right? It's like, like yes. if you're saving me $100,000 a year and you're like, and I'm going to take 20000 of that, that's an yeah. easy call. I'm like, yes. yeah, done. <laughs> like, know. You know what I mean? From but a, if you're thinking, I'm going to charge him $20,000, it's like, well, if you're saving me $100,000, that's easy math. Yes. And that's always been luckily one of our strong suits when with any sales and oh. accounting. It's like, hey, I hope to save you 10x what you're going to pay me. Yep. But sometimes it doesn't work that Not way. Not all business components work that way. You're in accounting. It's very, that's a luxury of being in accounting. You can literally quantify yep. the savings that you're bringing to the table, which is cool. That's what, uh, yeah. I, I, and that's what's crazy is 
I am one of the lucky ones. I think like I was sitting on a panel and I was sitting next to my friend Josh Galindo and he's just riffing about how like college is college. That. And I'm like, I kind of support that now. Like, I don't know if my kids will go to college. Yeah. But just like, who do you know that uses their college degree? And I like raise my hand because I'm like, I'm a CPA, <laughs> dude. So I like, I use mine. But uh, I feel like now I love that I just fell in a spot to, like you said, I worked, which was really not work. It was education. And now I get to apply all of it yeah. to my own thing. Well, that's unique. And I, I, I'm pretty hard on our education system because I mostly think it's shit. But I'll exclaim when I do that, unless you're going to be an attorney, an accountant, yeah, or a doctor, doctor, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those things. Yeah, everything yeah. else, it's like, eh, and you I feel the same learn. way. I don't know if my my kids are going to go to to college. They'll have an opportunity if they want to, but it's not something where I'm like, you've got to go to college. It's more like, hey, what's best for what you want to do? Do you think you would encourage business ownership and entrepreneurship to your kids? 100%. I think I would. Yeah. Now, dude, I've made the most money I've ever had. I've been yeah. more stressed than I've ever had, but it's like, I'm still picking this these last three years than I am for the last, the five before well, it. It's, it's, a, it's a funny statement, but it's true. Is entrepreneur is the only group in the world that will leave a job working 40 hours a week for someone else to work 80 hours yeah. for themselves, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I, you know, my core values in order are truth, love, freedom, community. And it is very, not impossible, but it is very hard to get to freedom if you are not in control of your, your finances. Oh, you won't make it's, it. Right. I don't it, think you'd make it. I, I agree, which is that's such a core component of what I teach yeah. because it's like, and especially in America, we are horrific with money. Oh. And I feel like the whole system is actually built on, in fact, I'm about to speak on a bipartisan bill, for the love of God, finally a bipartisan bill, uh, to protect the consumer because there's a fleecing of Americans around their lack of literacy and money. And, and credit card companies take advantage of that in a very big way. Oh, yeah. um, but this is something that's very close to my heart is just teaching people how to become more financially literate. And, and if you do, you take back your, your financial competency. There's so much opportunity to save money and get ahead. So we teach our kids that at a very young age with, with um, uh, like chores and, and quantifying. Like I don't want them to... There's a, I don't want them to get so transactional, but I want them to understand the relationship between effort and money. Totally. Right? And upgrading skill sets and money. Totally. And that's what, that's the, I feel like it's Elon that uses it a lot, but that's the best way to chalk it down now is skills. You have to have, yes. and that's what I hope to instill in them. You have to have skills that are valuable. Like me, I do my pediatrician's tax returns for barely anything, but you want to know why? Because I'm not a doctor. And if I have a question, I freak out. I need to be able to text them. Yeah, My kids awesome. get pink eye at 2 a.m. <laughs> I get drops. You know what I'm saying? Because they get a tax return. So <laughs> it's just I don't have those skills. And so if you develop skills that are that are in need, it's like that, that's what I would hope. Because I feel like once you get the skills, you will naturally find yourself being in this ownership role because people will come to you for the skills. 100%. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of our education system is failing people. It's teaching for the most part. Best case scenario, just in case information and hypothetical information yeah. that doesn't get retained because you have nowhere to apply it. But as an accountant, you do apply it because you're yeah. literally doing it as you're learning it. And then, then that's literally what you're doing. So it makes sense that it would retain differently. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they don't use their degree because there is nowhere to apply their freaking interpretive dance degree in their no. life, right? Or liberal arts degree. No. So I think for me, it's a, it, being a student for life is important, always learning, always developing. I'm just not certain academia is the place to do that anymore. Yeah. I think we've democratized information and the barrier to entry is so much lower now because of the internet that it's not necessary to go uh, and get into the, the university to, to learn. I think totally. you'll get a, like I got really negged out. I, went, I was going to go to the University of Washington 
I grew up in Washington State, and there's a, a program there where you can test into college after your sophomore year. Mm. So I did it. I was able to get my first two years done, and then I was going to go on and do their international business program. And I'm talking to the entrance lady, I forget what they're called, but she's explaining to me, she's like, yeah, it, the degree's going to cost you 63000 and this was 20 years ago, so I can't, I can't even imagine. It's probably twice that now, Yeah, right? So it's going to cost you 63000 And with a straight face, she goes, and you'll be three to five years behind the real world. And my naive, she tells this to you. And my naive ass thinks she. I tried to correct her. I'm so naive. Yeah, I'm like, lady, that I'm was like, a slip up, right? I'm like, you mean three to five years ahead, right? <laughs> you, right? And I'm like, quite innocently, like, she's like, no, son. No, she's like, she goes, actually, that's really good. Most programs are eight to ten years behind. I'm like, I'm gonna go into debt sixty thousand dollars to be five years behind the real world. Like, how does this make sense? That's crazy. And so I, and then at the, the, the very time that that was happening, I went and worked for a staffing agency that staffed for Amazon and Microsoft in downtown Seattle. Mm. And their hiring managers over and over again said, we will take somebody with uh, demonstrated competency over right. a degree all day long. Love it. And I'm like, that makes sense to me now real as a business world. owner. I'm like, real world. I'm like, yeah. yeah. But at the time I was like, do people know this? Like you'll yeah, take somebody true. with yeah. five years of experience and no degree over somebody with a degree. Like, do people really know this? So that's a good point. At that point, I was I I decided to go work, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll come back to school. I ended up not going back to school for that, and I ended up getting a degree in biblical studies, which is a, a whole other interesting, fascinating part of my life. But um, but because I I was like, this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't get why I would do this. Yeah. Do you? Not so much off topic, but so it's funny. I was talking to the Uber driver about this. Do you, <laughs> so I'm 31. Did you find yourself in your 20s just feeling like you were this person that not, because I, it again, I hate these cliche things, but as I'm getting older, it's like, this shit's real. This yep. is not, it is what it is. So like, did you feel like your 20s were this like learning phase and you still really kind of care about like what people think of you as weird as that sounds, but you do like maybe just like inadvertently. And then coming into your 30s, a little bit more comfortable with your own skin and like the yeah. family you've created maybe and just like the job you have. Because I feel like that's what I'm entering now and it's so weird to feel that way. But oh, it's, so, it. it's so uh, refreshing because it's really it's just like a sit back like I don't care. Well, let me put it this way. If God in her infinite wisdom said, yo, do you want to go run back your 20s? I'd be like, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am good. And And for a lot of reasons, and you brought up some of them, it's like, your 20s are really about integrating, and my whole first book is on this topic, the ideal self versus the real self. Mm. In our 20s, we're still trying to figure out who we are, who we are, yeah. right? Because as we come into our 20s, we're usually a reflection of our parents' expectations, our cultural expectations, our social expectations, and we're trying to live out the things we think the world wants us to be. Yeah, And we're sorting through what is us and what is this imposed expectation. So true. And so we do a lot of things and we fuck up the big three, right? Our health, wealth, and relationships trying to fit into these predetermined models that may or may not actually resonate with us. Yeah. As you get out of your 20s and into your 30s, you begin to figure out who you are, what you value. You get more comfortable in your own skin. Uh, and so you start to integrate and, and start owning who you are. And it's like, it's amazing. And then when you're in your 30s as a dude, as long as your health is in with, I'm in my 40s now and, and loving it. You've still got lots of energy. You can still get it up. You're still like having fun in life. It's not like you're, yeah. I haven't aged out where I'm like, oh, I just long for my 20s. For the most part, I don't feel much older than I did in my 20s, but I'm a hell of a lot more experienced and thus mm. have more wisdom and more comfortable in my own skin. So yes, to answer that question, I would not run back my 20s. Yeah, it's not, no. I hear uh, Alex Hermosi says this all the time. It's like, if if you could go back and run your 20s again, would you? And, and it, 
he suggests that it's an obvious yes. And I'm like, it is not an obvious yes for me. It's like, no. Now, if I could take everything I have now and I've learned, totally. right, and maybe drop in at 20, and so get that 20 years back, maybe. Yes. Right? But to go back to the same, I guess, naive, we're all naive in that age, yeah. But I'm not, I, I'm not painting a picture like I hated my 20s. Yeah. Uh, I just wouldn't want to maybe live them. When I'm comparing it to, again, I'm only 31, but I'm like, man, this new sense of like, you feel really solidified with who your friends are, how you make your money, what your family life is what your relationships are, the ones that you're really sinking into. I'm like, man, this is great. Yeah. This is really cool. Yep. Cause just, and again, the only word I can like describe it is comfort. You just feel comfortable. There's, it. there's a stabilization that, but there is the one kind of caveat to that is it, if there are areas of our life that we haven't integrated yet and we're kind of not paying attention to when you get into your late 30, 30s, early 40s, that's where the midlife crisis kicks in. Mm. And I see that a lot with my clients that are in that age. It seems like midlife crisis are happening early and earlier, but midlife crisis happens because very often we sought the ideal life, not the real life. Meaning we were told the American dream, right? Go, go get married, go, go get a education so you can get a good job, mm -hmm. get a good job, get married, get married, have kids, buy a house, have two and a half cars, three and a half kids, whatever it is. And then you do all those things and then you're looking around like, Hey, do I get a high five? Do I get a butt slap? Is this cool? It's like, and then like nobody cares. Yeah. And you're like, am I even happy with this? Please. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill me. And so that's where I, I see people who have reached certain pinnacles of success only to realize it wasn't what they thought it was going to be for them. And that's normally because they're still living out of the ideal. They're doing what mom and dad told them they should have done or what society says is what winning is. And so they'll kind of come back into this season of like, well, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in the world? What's important to me? So I think the sooner you can learn those lessons, the better, but that usually starts to happen in your late twenties, usually because of a lot of pain, right? You start to realize through pain, like oh, that isn't what I want or that isn't what I want to be. Um, so that's the one thing I would just make sure that you're, you're always integrating into who you actually are. Do you think to do that though, it just is a trial and error and it takes reps? Trial and error, Takes and a reps. lot of self thought, it, like sitting in there and thinking. But, but yeah, thinking. That's people the key. don't do that enough, no, dude. That's no. another thing I realized too. No, dude. People just won't sit and think about stuff. No, it, it, I, uh, my whole first book is on identity, the identity gap, as I'm calling it, and a lot of it is tied to awareness. And, and there was a big study that was done that said 85 percent of human beings are not self aware. Gee, 85 percent. What made that lack really of self awareness is almost awkward when you're in a setting too, like that. And someone doesn't have it about themselves. It's well, like and there's two to your point. There's two kinds of awareness and in totally self aware people have both. There are people who are uber aware of others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a trauma response based on the way they grew up. It's like a survival mechanism where yeah. they had to learn how to read and, and get comfortable reading the room and reading people. And so they're uber aware of others, but they are not aware of themselves. <clears throat> and then there are people who are very aware of themselves, right? Almost awkwardly so. They're aware of their own emotional state. They're aware of what they're experiencing, but they can't solve for the other. They're not aware of what's going on in the room or how other people are experiencing them. True awareness or integrated awareness is when you are both aware of yourself and the other. And that's a superpower. And that's, you know, according to this study. This. Do they have tests on this? Uh, I wonder if that's like a cog test. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's probably a test. But it, so 85% of people are not self-aware. In my own experience, I would have said it's even less than that. That's so high. So high. That but, is so high. But Eight here, and a half out of 10 people. But here's where it gets really funny. 95% of people believe they're self-aware. 
So not like, Dude. and it only proves the point, right? Is that most yeah. people think they're aware. It'd have to be a high and, percentage because right. they're and, obviously not self-aware. And they're not, Yeah. right? Which I would define awareness for anybody who's like, well, how do I know yeah. I'm aware or not? Any area of your life where you continue to get an unintended consequence, I would say negative, but it could be positive or negative. Anywhere in your life, you continue to get an unintended consequence. You are not aware. You are not consciously aware of what is bringing that result. And so mm. it's easy to tell people who live in this state of, of unawareness because their frames are all life is happening to me. Yeah. You can hear it in the way they talk. They are at the effects of life. Life is happening to me. This isn't my fault. They're constantly passing the blame. They're constantly explaining away the result with other people. That's somebody who is just not self-aware. They're not aware of how they're showing up in the world and how they are. My favorite question to ask them is, how are you complicit in creating the reality you say you don't want? And if somebody's not aware, good. they don't even know what to do with that. They're like, wait, what? Are you a therapist? No, but I was trained as one. Dude, this is good. <laughs> making me think here. Because, well, the way that you summed up how you would gauge that happening, I'm like, what better way than to just these unintended consequences? Well, that's a place to start, right? It's like, yeah, well, I, I want to have a healthy marriage. Why don't I? I want to be a great dad. Why aren't I? I want to make millions of dollars. Why aren't I? I'd like to have a six pack. Why don't I? So you I'd think like you to have to healthy. like spend the time thinking and then root cause these issues. Think deeply, yeah. but don't get into morbid introspection. So in that morbid introspection will fuck you up. And the way kind of, this is where having a great coach, a great therapist, uh, maybe a mentor can really help you mm -hmm. where you have somebody that you can kind of talk therapy your way through it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, if we're left alone or own devices, we'll get into morbid introspection. And that isn't always helpful where we're like digging shit up that we don't yeah, need like to be yourself and up. Like and you're overanalyzing stuff. Yeah. You just start You're for me. It's like what I try to do with my clients is create space for them to, to work on what is presenting itself mm -hmm. instead of starting to, instead of looking for areas to improve Well, what is presenting itself? Where are you not happy with the result you're getting in your life? And start there. Yeah, that'd be the best way because I feel like then that's current. Then you really aren't digging up. And stuff you're not that, you're not yeah. getting into the weeds with weird shit. Back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. And that's like, but it's like, how do you explain this to like a twenty year old? And I feel like you can't. You can maybe, but it's like, it almost takes those experiences to kind of like mold who you are coming into these. It's funny. I talked to my friend. Uh, uh, this was Dan saying this, and he was like, dude, 30 to 35 was awkward for me, but he was like, 35 to 40, loved it. And I was just like, I mean, maybe what is that? That's that 20s trickling into your 30s maybe, and then like that happened at 35? We, we reset who we are every seven years. Mm -hmm. So 28 tends to be a really formidable time in somebody's life. 35 is really formidable. But if you can work backwards, 1 to 7, 7 to 14, they're all their phases. So yeah. sixth phase, seventh phase is when you start really seeing people integrate into who they are. In many cultures, you weren't even considered an adult until 30. And in some cultures, not till 40, Whoa. as you start to really become, right? And I, I think one of the issues we have in our society right now is we're not doing a good job of educating people for the real world and creating rites of passage into manhood, into womanhood. And so you've got a lot of boys, right? That are never really growing up. They're really not doing the work. And so they're hungry and they're looking for it. They just haven't been taught. And it's, and it like thinking back, it's like how you're taught is again, I would just say the workforce, like you said, you're not working for the money. You got to find somewhere that you can really thrive. And like, which now thinking about it, you have to find a skill set. hundred percent that you at least want to lean into. Cause I, I agree that there's some people that probably do things where they're like, I don't really like it, but I'm just like, well, all right, you're good at it though. So yep. Maybe it's just a natural talent, but there are exceptions for sure. But as a whole, I find people tend to be passionate and excited about things that they're good at. There are exceptions. 
Yeah. But as a general rule, when you get good at things, you tend to get excited about them and you tend to get passionate about it. And so that's kind of my, my frame for teaching is don't follow your passions, follow your effort because your effort will lead you to your passions more often than not mm. uh, with exception, but yeah. as a whole, but to this idea of skill sets, like I teach this openly to my employees, to my teammates. It's like, if I could go and pick somebody off the street to do the level of work you're doing, you're not that valuable. True. Right. And if you want to make more money, make yourself irreplaceable. Yep. Be so good that it would be very hard to replace you. And I think the same thing, like I think the same way with my clients. One of my clients is AT&T. I've worked with them for 13 years. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. And we're now responsible for 15% of their quarterly subs, which is a pretty big number for such a large company. A big, yeah. Right. Makes it very hard to replace us. And so that's not advice I just give. It's advice I live. Make yourself irreplaceable. I feel that same way as a as a, a partner, as a father and a husband, like the best way to make sure that I'm not replaced is be irreplaceable, add so much value and, and prioritize my relationships to grade that it would be hard to be replaced. That probably trick, like as time goes on too, gets hard because like, for example, for myself, I think about, we just hired a COO in my business and I went from in 2020 doing all the work myself. First employee was like six to eight months in. Now we have 25 of us. Now I'm really trying to look at my calendar and lean into what it is that I like to do. So I've told yeah. him like when I leave stuff like this, when I leave from doing like a speaking engagement, that like fires me up because I feel like I get to be the non-nerdy accountant, use yep. my superpower. But I'm like when I'm behind a desk doing a tax return, it's like, oh, I'm good at it, but I don't really like doing it anymore. And so I feel like as people start to not only learn what they're good at, but then develop in doing more of what they like and are good at. And I feel like that, that that's really like when the rubber meets the road kind of thing. And it's it's tricky for somebody like you as I'm just getting to know you. You have elastic skill sets. Not everybody has elastic skill sets, meaning you're good at a number of things, which there's a the, the choice dilemma. The more things you're good oh. at, the harder it is to enjoy any one of them because you could do any of them. How do you think you pick? Do you th- But I guess that would come like if I wanted to make more money, I'd maybe go this route. If I wanted to have more time, then I'd go that route. Or how do we, you pick? We always do what we value most. Mm. So if you, and it's not your ideal self, your real self shows up in your daily decisions. So the easiest way to figure out is, well, what do I constantly finding myself wanting to do? What do I automatically choose to do without thinking about it? And if you look back, it's like, there's a reason why you continue to do particular things over and over again. And it usually means there's a psychological need that was being met at a particular time that habituated the behavior so that's another another way to get into becoming more aware. It's like, why do I continue to do these things? Yeah, Because there's a need that's getting met. So as I'm listening to you, I'm like, an accountant, you have a superpower because you're fun to talk to. No offense to accountants, but they're not it's always a, that fun to not, talk I about, right? All the time. And not. it's like, you're hilarious. Like, I could totally see you. If you said you were a comedian, I'd believe you, <laughs> right? Just the yeah. way you talk, your energy, it's yeah. very comedic in a, in a really good way. So that's a really cool skill set. So I could see where you're like, yeah, I'm good at accounting. I get numbers but I really like connecting with people. Yeah, that's right. And it's obvious that that's, that's your thing, but having the ability to know what it is to be a good accountant is a superpower because you can employ accountants, create a business as you did in the accounting world, but be real and be able to connect with people that is going to give you a superpower when it comes to offering your services. That is exactly what I'm trying to do now. And hiring a COO is a good first step. Like if you hire a good COO, it changes. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I've heard. We're set last, last Monday he started. And so, um, that's exciting. Yeah. So we're still, he's, and so I've heard though, from like one of the coaches of mine, he runs a similar CPA practice. 
Uh, they're about double the size. And he said he is, because I thought immediately when hiring a COO, I was like, oh, I want my days to get easier. And he was like, they will not. He's like, for the first six months, he'll be sitting in on everything you do, reading every yep. email. And so it's like, you got to really take the time to catch them up to speed. But I'm excited to get to that point to where I can step somewhat away, but still just do what I can, what's best for the business, which is the networking and the relationship side of things. Your your goal as a business owner, I've ran the same business for 14 years now, and we just had our best year ever. Hell yeah, um, good stuff. I would say is to hire people that play at things you have to work at. Hire people that play at things you have to work at. They're just, they love doing it. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that you're like, you hate doing in your business, yeah. automate, eliminate, or delegate, mm -hmm. right? But hire people that, that love doing that. I can see that. He's a big root causer versus me. I hear about the problem and it flares me up and I'm thinking like, well, I know the solution. Here's what we need to do. But I do not want to take the time to meet with the people, to get them to do what they need to do. <laughs> I just know the answer. So I'm like, all right, if we, we're all clear on the answer. My hope is that he'll be able to bird dog that issue and go implement it yep. as the plan. But yeah. yeah. Good CEO will create systems and structures so that the business runs itself. And yep. that's what you want to do with your, you'll get a much better multiple. I don't know what your exit strategy is and and no matter whether you want to sell your business or not, I, I generally recommend having an exit strategy. Yeah. Um, or at least pretend you do. So you build a business so you don't need to run it because yeah. you'll get just a way better multiple if you don't have to run the business. Totally. And a good CEO will help that happen where yeah. the business takes care of itself. You don't have to run it. Do you think you would sell any of your, or have you sold a business? And do you plan on selling any businesses? The answer, I haven't sold any yet. Not any big um, businesses, not any big exits yet. I, I don't, I would never sell Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, but we are, now starting to get into more angel investing mm. with the total intent to help build those businesses so that they can be sold. Yep. And that's, that's fun for me. I love building things. Yep. I think I'm a creator by nature. So I didn't think I was, but now I like take so much pride in with the last four years of building this that it's like, Whoa, this has been, and it's more than I've, I've learned more for the last four years than I ever have. But it's to, again, think about that. If I didn't have that experience of learning from other good people, then like I wouldn't have been able to do what I did. I would yep. have still been an employee, which is not a bad thing, but for somebody that wants to not be an employee, you better have a good skill set that you've learned somewhere else before. So you can take that on. hundred percent. Yeah. That to me, the, the formula for wealth is constantly upskill into high value skill sets and yep. do this as early in life as you possibly can totally. so that you're trading energy and time, which you tend to have more of when you're younger for active income, right? Yep. So you're up, upskilling constantly exchange for time and energy for your skill sets into active income. You take your active income and you invest it in assets. Yep. The number one asset to invest back into is yourself, your education, your brain. Second for me is my own businesses. I tend to get a better yield on my money in my own businesses than okay. investing in stock market or any other investment. I'm like my, my, I'm rivaling a Bitcoin return on my startup costs for my business for what I've done now. So it's like, wow. and to me, crypto is probably one of the biggest returns in the last 10 years. It's been insane. Yep. So, so then you, you invest active income into assets and then your assets turn into passive income. Totally. Right? And that's your path to financial freedom in that order. Yep. And so you're right. It's too many people are wanting to get paid for a skill they don't have. Oh, just, yeah. just, just for showing up. And I'm like, dude. no, dude, these people coming to ask for salaries. My salary leaving Deloitte or going to Deloitte, 48,000. Yep. There's people leaving school now making 70 or 80. I've had people come to me that have one year of experience asking for 120, 110. I'm like, get the fuck. Out. Well, I, and I'm okay what? with that. 
it's not the money that I have an issue with. It's what am I getting in True. return? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which let me preface that with not anywhere near a skill set worth 120, which is I'm like, because I feel like as a business owner, I would love to pay somebody 120 because then it shows that they're bringing me so much value. Right. And then it like, I can multiply that out towards the top line. We talk about the numbers, but for a staff coming to you with no experience, like that's, what's crazy to me is like the workforce now is tough or no, no proven competency or yep. a, an excellence that goes, yeah, you're worth that. I had a, a, a client that I was working with for a while. Um, and she, we helped her get a big raise and she was so excited. And, and she came to me, she's like, it worked, it worked. I got a big raise. I go, how much is paying you? She told me, and I was like, he's overpaying you. Mm. And she's like, what? You're not supposed to tell me that. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm absolutely. And I said, listen, under no circumstance do you increase your lifestyle right now. Yeah. Save your money. Of course, she didn't do what I asked her to do. She got a bigger car, moved into a bigger house. Six months later, he comes back and he goes, I can't afford to pay you this. Mm. So she comes to me and she's like, he just told me, I was like, I told you, Called I it. told you, you were, you were being overpaid. And the guy was nice enough. He didn't fire her. He just said, I'm going to put more of this based on performance. Mm. And she wasn't willing to do it. And yeah, I'm like, that's a massive red flag if yep. you aren't willing to get paid on your performance. Like, yep. that's warning, warning, yep. warning. I had uh, a buddy that just tried to hire somebody, and he was given two options, either a bigger fixed salary or a lower salary, but more of the pie when he went out and kind of killed his own. And uh, he didn't want to go out and eat and do sales. So then, And they didn't like that answer. They were looking for that of answer. Of course. And uh, yeah, so that I was generally like, structure my contracts where the biggest portion is paid on my performance. Because totally. I'll bet on myself. Exactly. And those are the people that you want. Because then it's like, those are the winners. I used to think, too, core values were such like, a, oh, great. Throw them in the handbook. And now I'm like, whoa. As a business owner, like, these are the people you're going to war with. And these are the qualities you want in them. So I just, I again, thoughts one thing. Now I'm a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. I'm like, okay, that's real. Core values are important, but they have to be real. And they have to be sincere. They can't be just something you slap on the wall, right? Yes. But when you look at lasting relationships, whether it's professional or personal, there's three characteristics that continually show up. The number one, whether it be your, your wife, your partner, or your, your business partners, number one is you have to have a shared vision. Like we're moving towards the same goals. We want the same things. That's number one. Number two, and just as important, there has to be shared values. Because you could have the same outcome, but try to achieve it through different values, and it will break the relationship. Mm. Right? So for instance, Maybe the, the vision is, I want to be financially free. Well, you could do that legally. You could also yep. try to do it illegally. Exactly. Different values trying to get to the same thing. So having, the, having shared values and shared vision are really important. And the last one is where the most common fuck-ups are, which is you have to have a structure for dealing with disagreement. Oh, yeah. Right? Because if you don't have a way to deal with disagreement, whether it's in a personal relationship or a business relationship, the relationship will die on the vine. It'll just mm -hmm. go cold. And you'll see, I see this a lot. I'm working with somebody right now trying to help them save their marriage, one of my clients, and it's that's what's happened. It's like they have all this unresolved conflict between them. And when you're younger in your relationship, you may not notice it because the brick wall, as I say, is so low, you don't notice it's being built. But every unresolved conflict creates another brick between you and that person. But eventually it gets high enough where you start to feel it. And how you know that's starting to happen is you'll hear things like, I just don't feel the same way about them anymore. I don't know. I just don't feel like we connect anymore. We don't have anything in common. What's happened is very likely there's all this unresolved conflict that never got dealt with. And so whether it's a business relationship or a personal relationship, you want to have all three of those things locked and loaded and then they'll thrive. That's such a good point too. And that makes me think of 
I feel like no one nowadays has communication skills. So no, oh, dude. oh my god. So like my son tries to walk up to my four year old the other day and introduce himself, and my son just like awkwardly turns. I'm like, hey, Ari, like shake the guy. And I'm obviously giving my son a hard time, but I'm like thinking about this now. It's so it's such an underrated skill to have, and it's like now as again as I'm getting older, <clears throat> I feel so comfortable that I'm like if I'm talking with somebody and it gets awkward, I'll stare at them and we'll just totally. we'll work our way through the awkwardness. <laughs> like you got to do what you got to do. People nowadays will just shy away from it, but it's like to even look somebody in the eye nowadays, like my wife is a very when I first met my wife, she was my boss. She shook my oh, hand wow, really? so oh, dude. Wow. But yeah, I was an intern about to go to Deloitte. I didn't yep. care, so she at, at the time hated me cuz I was so <laughs> lazy. Um, but again, I was just a lazy intern, but when she first shook my <clears> hand and introduced herself, she's a very like stern woman in the workplace. And to think about that, like you just don't see those skills anymore. And so like for something like her, she hates when people will not look her in the eye yeah. and she'll address it. She's like, is there a reason you're not? And so I'm like, and thinking about that now, seeing kids now, seeing other kids around my son, it's just no, everybody. And again, my son is so young, but even like younger, like in their twenties in their it, teens, so it, awkward, it, dude. It kills me. Kills me. So I'll have uh, people come to me, employees, friends, and they'll complain about someone or complain about something they're doing. You ask if they talk to him about my it? My number, my first question. Yeah. Have you talked to him about yeah, it? Yeah, you talked to him about it? No. <laughs> what the fuck? Why are yeah. you telling me? Uh, yeah, it's so, it's such, like, What are again, we doing? Why is communication suddenly just, it's, we're horrific at it. I and don't most pain it. in relationships is Commun caused yeah. because of a lack of mis or miscommunication or misunderstanding. It's like, we could solve a lot if we were just more effective at fucking communicating. Yeah. They do a show and share at my kid's school. I don't know why they call it. It's not show and tell. It's what it was when I was there. Uh, but it's nice. They make him stand up in front of the class, bring an object, and talk. And so I was like, hey, teacher, record it. I want to see how my kid does. I love it. He was all right. He wasn't that bad, but he's definitely nervous. <laughs> he's here, the voice clapping and stuff. But again, just communication, too. Just such a skill that I think will take you so far. And it's it's hard, but it's also something that, like, you can get the most reps at it. Like, But again, people just shy away from it. And it's, it's I don't know. I wish more people had it. Well, uh, a few rapid fire questions, then I'll let you go. Yeah. This has been awesome, though. We'll this have to is do great. this again. We got to connect again. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you could, if you could have a billboard downtown Las Vegas, right on the strip, what mm. are you putting on your billboard? It has to be account. Know your numbers. It has to be that. <laughs> just because there's so much in it. Like, know I, your I, numbers. The problem with that, though, they'd read that and just think it's very accountant-y, but it's like, I really mean it. I mean it. And so business. if there was a better way to write it for people to know that I mean it, that's what it would be, though. Yeah, I love yeah. it. What book do you recommend more than any other? Um, I'm not a big reader, but it would be like, I loved the, is it Chapman that wrote the love language? Mm -hmm. That was real Gary eye opening Chapman. for me. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, right. So I five love languages. Yeah. So I'm married now. So I feel like that was Classic. very relevant for me, but that was really good. And one thing that I got from that was how people give love in the way that they want to receive it, but not how that person wants to receive it. And I yep. was like, Whoa, that's just, again, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. And so that opened my eyes to that. That was a good, that's one. huge. What do you, in the accounting world, if somebody wanted to get better, accounting besides and we're going to get to how they can find you in a second but what's a book somebody could read that you would sign off and go hey this is a pretty good place to start with just getting better with numbers mm, better with numbers maybe not so much specific numbers but the concepts would have to be the rich dad poor dad that's a good yeah. one. that's a is good number book. one it is uh that'd be the number one too as yeah. far as like just business and, quadrant yeah yeah that's a good one too and his game is good too but yeah just that, because I just say, I can't say it enough. You don't know what you don't know, and that will open your mind to see why it's important and just how you can start to integrate these things into your life because you will benefit from it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. What's a purchase you've made under $100 that's made the biggest difference in your life in the last 12 months? 
Oh, dude, you want to hear it? I do. So my wife, I bad face washer, just very hands. Use my hands. I don't mm-hmm. have a big beard. <laughs> and so uh, she bought, she first bought me this little like spongy thing. And I was like, okay, this is doing it for me, but it's, it's not that cool. Then I was, she bought me this little, had to be 40 cents. It's a little silicone scrubber. God bless our wives. Oh, dude, this it's the best like- thing. I'm like, oh, I don't have to use my hands anymore. I could just use this like little <laughs> knob that disperses the soap evenly all over my face. That has been it. That's what I've been <laughs> raving to people. It had to be 40 cents. She paid anything more than a dollar, I'd return it. Yeah, but. I love it. This has been be fun. It. Where can people find you, brother? Instagram. Instagram is the best spot. Um, yeah, at Matt Bontrager. At yeah. Matt Bontrager. And your, your company is True Books. True Books CPA. Who, who needs you? What kind of business owner needs you? And if somebody's listening to this going, fuck, I don't know my numbers. I'm not tracking. Who, who do you work best with? Who's your ideal customer? If you are somebody that runs a, a small business, if you have run a small business and you make, you, you have 80 grand in the bank at the end of the year, you need a CPA. And that's where someone like us could step in and help. And like the biggest thing that I tell people, whether it's us or someone else, nowadays you need to find an advisor, not like a tax guy on the corner that's just going to do your tax return. <laughs> there's there's use cases for that but like if you want to excel and like play this tax game that you hear people talking about you need someone that you can conversate with and communicate with so they need to find that that's what we do and truebooks.com truebookscpa.com truebookscpa.com awesome matt this has been a a great conversation i'm excited to have you back on another time i would love it awesome hell yeah